your idea, Jen, for inviting me today to give this talk. My name is Benedict Clouet, and I'm a senior consultant at Gallup. Today, I want to share some insights from the Global Women's Health Index. This is a new multi-year research initiative that my colleagues and I at Gallup have been working on in partnership with the medical equipment company, Hologic. But before I get started, I want to say that I really appreciate this opportunity to dive into a topic that anchors so well in the mission of Ideogen to accelerate solutions around the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And in this case, more specifically, the SDG3, which calls on countries to ensure healthy lives and promote well-being for all at all ages. In our world, data is everything. Data drives business decisions, innovation, research. There is evidence of a gender data gap across a whole range of sectors, but nowhere is it as visible as in healthcare. Historically, the data collected on women and girls has been very substandard, often biased or unreliable. And currently, surveys which are in place do not cover many countries. They only focus on certain topics. They're not representative of the national populations. They're not comparable. Ultimately, these gaps have consequences which affect women's health, well-being, and general opportunities in society. Women and girls have very specific health needs and health systems around the world are failing them. And it's never been more obvious than during the pandemic. There is an increasing concern that it will see a rise in cervical and breast cancer down the road because women have put off their screening, but we haven't been able to measure this. We're in the midst of a global health crisis for women because we lack actionable data on a global scale. This study we conducted in partnership with Hologic strive to fill the gap in what we know about the health and well-being of the world's women and girls. We know that men and women don't experience health in the same manner. Part of it is due to biology, but you can't overlook the role that societal, economic, and structural factors also play in it. So we decided to listen to women. This partnership with Hologic is a unique opportunity to understand the realities of women's experience with healthcare from the perspective of women. For that, we're using the World Poll, which is Gallup's global survey instrument that allows us to measure the attitudes and behaviors of populations across the globe in a representative manner. Beyond just reporting on the status of women's health, we also wanted to be able to track and measure progress over time in key aspects of women's health and well-being, with the goal of improving it by bringing attention to actionable areas. We did that by creating an index. So why an index? First, an index makes it easier to track results over time, but also to compare and rank those results among countries and territories. This year's results serve as a baseline of women's knowledge, attitudes, and behaviors regarding their health. But in future administration of the survey, we'll be able to monitor changes and assess if the situation is improving for women around the world. An index is also an effective communication tool for policymakers, the media, and the general public. It provides a powerful snapshot of the situation globally, and its results are easier to interpret than looking at the trends across many indicators. So let's talk a little bit about what it takes to conduct a survey of that scale around the world during a global pandemic. When we launched our World Poll back in 2005, we knew that conducting nationally representative surveys around the world wouldn't be easy, even under the best conditions. In a typical year, 
we survey residents in more than 150 countries, representing more than 99% of the world's adult population. To be able to do that, we use randomly selected, nationally representative samples. We typically survey 1,000 individuals in each country, face-to-face -face or via phone. If the coverage is strong enough to allow us to collect representative data. Obviously, the pandemic forced us to adapt our approach to how we poll the world. We concluded that there was far too much risk to the safety of our interviewers, of the people they interview, and of the communities they live in to continue in conducting face-to-face -face interviews. But at the same time, we knew there was never a more critical time to listen to the world. So with the pandemic, we looked into a safer way of conducting the world poll, and wherever we could, we switched from face-to-face -to, -face to phone, providing the data quality could meet our standards. And thanks to our teams and partners around the world, we were able to carry out surveys in 116 countries and territories, representing 93% of the world's adult population, at a time when no one could do it. For this study, we surveyed 120,000 people, half of them women, and asked them, among other things, questions about their experience of preventive care, prenatal care, their opinions of health and safety, their emotional health, individual health, um, et cetera. And once we were done collecting this data, we moved into the analysis phase. So the first step to building an index is to identify the purpose of that index and then to find proper variables that will serve that purpose. So we consulted with experts to build a theoretical framework and understand which key metrics would be most salient to build an index at the national level. We also looked at resources from authoritative organizations in the health space, like World Health Organization, particularly their list of top issues and checks needed for women. Based on those discussions and the research we conducted, we identified three key objectives. First, to capture knowledge, attitudes, and behaviors related to health, which is a common framework to health surveys across many cultures. Second, we wanted to focus on female-specific health issues like prenatal health, pregnancy and delivery, gender-based violence, increasingly common causes of death like cervical and breast cancer, etc. And third, we wanted to bring attention to actionable areas to increase female longevity, such as education or increasing access to care. So how did we then determine the main factors to measure as indicators of women's health? we conducted a factor analysis of the female survey responses. This analysis helped us determine how we could explain the most about women's health with the fewest items and categories, which led us to five factors. First, opinions of health and safety, which includes questions around general satisfaction with the availability of quality healthcare, um, quality of care received during pregnancy, feeling safe walking alone at night. Uh, second, individual health, which covers having health problems preventing you from doing any of the things people your age normally do and experiencing pain for a lot of the day prior to the survey. Third, emotional health, which entails questions around having experienced worry, sadness, stress, and anger for a lot of the day prior to the survey. Fourth, preventive care, which includes questions around having spoken to a healthcare professional about health and having been tested for high blood pressure, cancer, diabetes, and STDs, STIs. And fifth, 
basic needs, where we ask people if they've been able to afford food and shelter in the past 12 months prior to the survey. So these five dimensions provide a comprehensive look at women's health around the world. Once the Global Women's Health Index was finalized, we, we discovered that it is strongly correlated to women's average life expectancy at birth, which is one of the most frequently used health status indicators. Together, the five dimensions of the index explain more than 80% of why some women live longer than others do. The reason why it's important is that the current data suggests that positive improvements on any one of the five dimensions could potentially help women live healthier, longer lives. Let's now quickly discuss some of the key findings of this research, and I encourage you to visit the project site, womenshealthindex.com, to learn more about it. Looking at the overall picture, all countries and territories have room to improve on women's health. Scores worldwide range from a high of 69 in Taiwan to a low of 36 in Peru, while the average score for the world is 54 out of 100. Both results highlight inequities that leave many women around the world without the basic services that others may take for granted. If we go a little deeper into the findings, one key learning is that hundreds of millions of women are still struggling with basic needs. They cannot afford the food and shelter that they or their families need. Of the social determinants of health, food insecurity is one of the most extensive influences on people's health. Adults who are food insecure are disproportionately at risk of obesity and chronic disease. Another key finding from the report is that a woman's age at her first pregnancy sharply differentiates her health outcomes. We know that early pregnancy in adolescents can have lasting negative effects on women's and girls' education, on their livelihoods, on their health. In nearly all regions of the world, women who report first becoming pregnant at an age younger than 19 score worse in every one of the five dimensions of the index compared with women who first became pregnant at a later age. Third key finding, preventive healthcare is a high bar. Preventive care aims to help people avoid illnesses and detect medical problems, ideally before the onset of symptoms. Relatively few women worldwide, actually only one in six, reported getting preventive care with testing for cancer, high blood pressure, diabetes, or STDs, STIs. Only 12% of women got screened for any type of cancer in the world in the 12 months prior to the survey. The data highlight the need to prioritize access to preventive healthcare to effectively manage non-communicable disease. Finally, 2020 was a very hard for a lot of people for obvious reasons. Uh, the pandemic, economic challenges, general lack of control, the World Poll showed that people worldwide felt the worst they had in 15 years, with global experience of worry, stress, sadness, and anger setting new records. It's worth noting, though, that those feelings were even more heightened with the female population. About 4 in 10 women in 2020 said they experienced worry and stress during a lot of the day before the survey. To conclude, this first year of data provides a sobering look at the state of women's health worldwide. The results show how uneven and slow progress has been on that front and how fragile the gains are for women. 
This kind of studies is essential to narrow the gender data gap and advance women's well-being and health because what gets measured ultimately gets managed. We hope that the results of this index will initiate conversations among leaders and policymakers and will be used as a, as a roadmap at the country, uh, regional and global levels to help women live longer, better lives. The index clearly shows what leaders and policymakers around the world should be paying attention to and gives them the means to monitor and evaluate progress on specific goals. I want to thank you again and I encourage all of you to check out the website of this initiative, womenshealthindex.com, and to continue the discussion on this critical topic.